Welcome to Just Jiu-Jitsu, a podcast about jiu-jitsu for people who do jiu-jitsu, about the world of martial arts through the spectrum of jiu-jitsu. <laughs> Today, I have a guest here, distinguished, known by many, respected by very few, <laughs> Corler Gracie. Thanks. Thanks for having me. My name is Andrew Desimone, and over the course of the next... Who knows? 20 minutes, 30 minutes. We'll see how long this goes. We'll traverse through the world of jujitsu to see what we can learn about it and ourselves. Join us. How'd you like that? I was trying a different like tone and like that was cadence. Interesting. Yeah, what do you yeah, think? I think it was, it was funny watching you do that. Oh, okay. It, yeah. I don't know how it'll sound that on like on, on my you know. I, I started and then I started to kind of like think about Carl Sagan and I should do a whole episode and just Carl Sagan's voice and, and <laughs> we are going through the universe in what we call. Capsule did called you practice jiu-jitsu. that before this? I'll practice it. Oh, did I? No, yeah, no. But so this is like off the cuff. Yeah, I'm just you trying. You don't like look at yourself in that mirror right there <laughs> every morning and speak to yourself like that. No, I speak to myself in a different voice. I'm like, you're so fucking pretty. You're, oh. you're the best. And usually, if you've noticed, it's from the that mirror. It's a full-length mirror. It's a mirror that's on the ground, but it only covers from the waist down. Right. And so... Okay, All It's right. just an... It's a weird thing yeah, that I do. Whatever. Whatever works for you. I do jumping jacks. Sure. Yeah, whatever. I mean, I'm not, I'm not hating it. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> If sometime when I go to the restroom, you want to try it out and just see how you feel in this mirror. At some point, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. Well, That'd be liberating. Okay. Again, you did this last episode. We got to keep this classy, <laughs> all right? You got to stop taking us to the gutter. We've had so many complaints about you you sidetracking us. Yeah, me. Yeah. yeah we yeah. got to stick to jujitsu. <laughs> all right. Oh, oh let's see. Fuck. I'm, I'm going to sidetrack us really quickly. Okay. Uh, I, was, I was just thinking... I think two episodes ago, we were talking about uh, what you're up to. You're talking about, oh, we're going through the Marvel movies and watching yeah. those. How many, you've got a, and someone pointed this out, a listener, that listener was, uh, it was my dad. Um, okay. he, he he said, <laughs> okay, Croyler's a married man, and he said, we, we're going through all the Marvel movies right now. Yeah. And he said, is his wife actually okay with watching all Marvel movies and he doesn't have to watch like oh some Hallmark movies or some some uh some she doesn't like some Hallmark rom- movies she doesn't what about like some re- like very romantic comedies or just like rom- every romance once a, every once in a while there will be like a romantic comedy in there but generally speaking she, she prefers horror and thrillers man so so, so it works actually she complained about watching Marvel movies because they were too like chill and, and action based they were not like dark enough dark enough alright yeah wow you, alright I guess you got lucky some of us have to sit through The Bachelorette and <laughs> and uh, Hallmark movies about it also benefits that she you know she's home a lot so you know, if she wants to watch something that's particularly girly, she can do it when I'm not around. That's really nice that she does that for you. Yeah, I know. It, it's it's amazing. She's amazing. <laughs> well, I'm going to talk to her because maybe she she would have another story and say, no, we don't. He's no. <laughs> we have an agreement. We'll watch one Marvel movie and then we'll watch like three Downton Abbey episodes. We just finished the Marvel movies. 
Wow, so you booked it through those things. Yeah, yeah, we took us 10 days, yeah. When's the next, do you know when, if they said what the schedule is now since Black COVID? Widow was supposed to have come out this year, and then that got delayed, and then Thor 4 is supposed to be next after Black Widow. And then I think, I think um, Doctor Strange after that, and then Black Panther. I don't know if that's still happening or not. Now that Chad Bozwick has passed, I don't know if they're gonna oh, if they're it. gonna scrap that or if they're gonna work somebody else in. I don't know. Especially because originally the rumors were that his sister was gonna hit the character's sister was gonna take over, but she's sounds like she's about to get canned. So they'll have to keep that going because it was so. I know he was such a pivotal part of that, but they're not just gonna let that p- yeah, potential. The the problem is that his his sister may not be there. His sister, the scientist, you're yes, saying, right? She, okay. Because yeah, she was the rumors that she was going to take over and lead. You said she's going to get canned. Like they're going to fire it's, her. It sounds like they're going to fire her. Yeah. That's weird. Because yeah. she was popular. Did they? You know, she's she's made some very political remarks lately oh, that so don't align with uh, Disney and Marvel. And gotcha. It sounds. It Did she say bad fans. things about Mickey Mouse? <laughs> that's exact, oh, that's oh. exactly what it was. Yeah. I yeah. thought so. Yeah. What about, uh, did you hear, I was reading yesterday, the W, this is such a fucking tangent. I'm sorry, everybody, but <laughs> I saw the WB, Warner Brothers, not the WB, uh, that was a, that's a channel, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Warner Brothers, they're releasing a bunch of, all, we know, like all their 2021 movies just to HBO Max. Right, which that is a, a reason why I may buy HBO Max because of that, because I want to watch Dune. If I watch nothing oh, else, Dune's I Dune's going to be... Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't... We'll, yeah, have to see, see? we'll still have to see that in theater, see? though, because oh, that would be a fun No, no, absolutely, it. I want to see it in theater, but my point is, if, if it's available, I'm not going to wait, you know? Yeah. Which I think the theaters are, are still open around here, They're aren't still they? still open, yeah. <coughs> Dune? A long bit. And then did you ever watch Tenet? No, but I want to watch that, too. Me that's too. on HBO Max. That's what, yeah, that's what yeah. caught my eye. So, when it, so there's a bunch of stuff there that I, I want to watch. Yeah. All right, everyone, I'm going to get us back on track. Thanks for, you know, pulling us know. back in since I took us out. Yeah, I can already see the smart ass comment from Brian Johnson in our gym about oh. <laughs> on face. He, he, he always has a good statement or something just about how. Uh, oh, hey, the four orange brewing glasses. Yeah, we're. Uh, oh, yeah, right now. Yeah. Uh, we're drinking out of our Ford Orange brewing glasses from Albany, New York. Yeah. We're drinking water, though. It's not my fault. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not saying that oh, to you. Oh, yes. Uh, That's my point. Right. <laughs> I think we're both getting to the same point. I know. Which James is like, what What do you fucking want from me? I've sent you multiple packages. <clears throat> I'm sorry. How about you go on the website and buy it? You know what? We'll have to do that. We'll have to buy some because he sent us so much free beer. Oh. The next batch will buy. I thought it was a, you, know, you know who else has not delivered on their sponsorships? And I like how we just forced him into a sponsorship. But was was, uh, you know, Mr. You know, uh, Paul Elliott. Paul Elliott. Yeah. We haven't had wine since long ago. Since and before COVID. Yeah. But you know what? Maybe it's because I'm so bad at, I'm bad at like any type. I don't understand sponsorship because if, if James was our unofficial sponsor, I said, no, don't send it to us. We'll just buy it. Wait, what? <laughs> Remember? I just right now I said. Oh yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. I know. I said, oh. That's not how they work. 
Is wait, so when Michael Jordan would wear Nike, he wouldn't just go buy a bunch of Nike? No, no, Nike would pay him to wear his shirt. What? That's how it worked. Not only they pay him for it, but they would also give the the jersey up to him. Hold on. So you're telling me that the grappling dads, all that stuff that they have when they talk about when they're they're different uh, top mount apparel and different things. They give that stuff to those guys? I'm sure they buy some of it. Why would they give stuff to that? I mean, they should pay those guys not to talk about them because you know, it associates them you know, with the grappling dads. You know, that's that's the, the, the biggest issue, I think, with the grappling dads is, like, I can't make it past the first 10 or 15 minutes because it's nothing but ads. Yeah, well, I don't know anything about sponsorship, but clearly Top Mount Apparel doesn't know anything about sponsors because they're paying those guys to rep their product. Yeah, that's a bad look. Okay, well... You listen to Grappling Dads, guys. This is a this is a plug for <laughs> Grappling Dads. Uh, all right. So today we're getting back to the anatomy of the attack. Last week we ended with the we did the neck, we did the shoulders, and now we're moving down to the elbows. And then as we get on to this episode, uh, we're gonna get to the private parts that Croiler was so excited to discuss. What? <laughs> So I know everyone's been thinking, what is this going to be? How is this going to go down? Well, I, I'm curious to see, Croiler, you you put together. He has a PowerPoint, which is weird because you guys can't see it, but he just made a PowerPoint. This better not be a PowerPoint. That's, this better not have been an excuse just for you to show me a bunch of pictures of your penis. All right. Hey, hey man. Because uh, that's not what this is about. <laughs> but I will post anything he, he has here online for you guys. All right. Getting to it. We are talking about the elbows today. Chokes and elbows to me are what we see the most of. They're the the grab the tension grabbers of people who know very little about jujitsu. They either yeah. think about people choking or people having their elbows extended and snapping. Yeah, yeah. I mean, elbows are, as far as joints go, they're very simplistic. You know, they don't they don't move in a lot of directions really. You know, they they only move in one plane. They don't rotate in and of themselves. Um, you know, so. Because there's no rotation, there's no uh, you know separation, you know, or anything like that. The all that the the joint can do is really it's a hinge, right? Mm-hmm. There's nothing much to it. Versus where like a shoulder would be more like a ball bearing, where it's it's encapsulated and it has all this this incredible range of motion. Uh, an elbow really you can extend to 180 and then you can collapse it. That's a you have a 180 one single plane, you know, range of motion. Hopping back to the shoulder, because it has all, it has such a complex range of motion, does that make it an easier thing to submit or just oh, tougher because you have to take? It's tougher. Okay. I think it's tougher to submit, um, to break. So, so, so tougher or easier is relevant, right? If we're simply talking about, is it, if I have a, an opponent who is not fighting, is it easier to break an elbow or a shoulder? Um, it, it's realistically it's probably the same the difficulty comes in when the opponent fights back because because when they're fighting back that extra range of motion gives them more options to how to fight you versus a we're at like an elbow lock it's it's there's not much to consider because there's only one plane of motion you have to control the shoulder on all these different from all these different Correct. angles the elbow it's just one yeah it's one plane of motion there's nothing much to that so you basically try to take the joint from going that stops normally stops somewhere around 180 
from your from you know when it's fully extended, you're just trying to take that past you know a couple degrees to break it. Where in the shoulder, you're trying to reduce that range of motion and then push through it, mm-hmm. right? In a, in a elbow lock, generally speaking, you're extending it to its end range, so you're not limiting the range of motion, and then you're pushing through that mm-hmm. to break it, generally speaking. There's exceptions, of course. And last time we talked about different elements like the range, fighting against someone who has strength and if that how that right. plays a factor. With the elbow, I think a lot of people would say, oh yeah, it, someone's strength can negate your submission because a lot of people might go to a very common position. We're all in your top mount, you or your full mount, you go for an arm bar, you fall, and then the person just grabs their arms and they're you got a big strong person and you go, Well, I guess I guess strength is what kills my attempt at this. Yeah, so I mean if you if you look at it in terms of like if you compare it to the shoulder, right? So in the shoulder, our primary goal is to limit the range of motion, control it at that spot and then create a rotation, push the rotation through that now limited range of motion. In a elbow lock, generally speaking, we're looking to fully extend to its end range and then push through it, right? The problem with that is because we're not reducing the range of motion, we're trying to extend to its maximum ability. Um, for the opponent to defend, it, it makes his fight, his defending fight, as far as like things he needs to watch out for, um, much smaller. So in a shoulder lock, when we're fighting for a shoulder lock, we need to account for all this extra mobility, but the opponent also has to deal with all these extra countermeasures or follow-ups that I can do. Where in an elbow lock, while the opponent may have to worry less about follow-ups and I have to worry about less about his range of motion, his fight becomes much simpler in it that he's only pulling it in, right? He's only trying to keep the elbow bent because if we don't get it fully extended, we can't break the elbow. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, there is a little bit of a, um, a, a... There could be, in certain instances, if our arm bars aren't very good, there could be instances where we come out at a mechanical disadvantage. So, example, um, I'm trying to keep my hand on my chest to avoid you from arm barring me strictly with a bicep. And I may support that with a free hand or grip my collar or, or both grip my collar and support my hand, etc. <clears throat> where, um, and, and, and if I am successful in keeping my hand close to my chest, Generally speaking, my bicep is at its strongest point, is its closest to it, it's the most uh, contracted it's ever, it's ever gonna get. If I am somebody who is supremely strong, they can lift a lot, they can curl a lot, they can they can secure the position very, very well. And then their free hand that secures their, their attacked hand, so to speak, then they can activate their bicep on the other side and their dorsal muscles. And essentially, they can become very mechanically powerful there. So generally speaking, in armbar, we try to overcome that by, instead of using bicep against bicep, we use back, back and, back and hips against the bicep. And those are much stronger muscle groups and we tend to win. But something to be considered, like we talked about last time, the human you know component of this is, if um, I actually just saw a video, a horrible video of uh, the mountain mm-hmm. um, grappling with some black belt somewhere, I don't know where, and that black belt was just not good. But um, 
Were they like on the ground rolling Strapling. around? Yep, yep. Just okay. Jiu-jitsu. And the, the, the black belt should have looked for ways to choke him. A guy who's, I mean, he's 420 pounds. You know what I mean? Like a guy who's that big, not only just big, but he's also the current strongest man in the world. So it's not just size. He's also powerful, right? right. So you would go for the neck like we talked about because it doesn't matter how big, strong he is. He's going to go out. This guy is trying like elbow crushes and arm bars from the bottom. Like, again, generally speaking, he might be able to compensate against somebody's, your, your average person's bicep strength, you know, with using his back and his hips and so on. But when there is such a huge size difference and a power difference and weight difference because he was on top, right? So he can lose his weight as well. It, it, it's impossible. It's an impossibility to extend that arm for an arm bar. Like that's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the human component that we talked about. So it's not that the arm bar isn't effective. It's that there is, we have to account for the, for the strength component, much like we have to account for flexibility components too. So there are people that you can grapple that are double jointed at the elbow and it takes a lot longer to cause a break. And sometimes you have to modify the arm bar to create better leverage to push through because their arm may go naturally, may go past the 180 degree. It may go 185 or 190 degrees. So if you're usually hipping in and that's your breaking point, you may hip in and and, and get no result, Mm -hmm. even though you're perfectly capable. So then you have to modify and then you have to do like a muscle up on the arm in order to create, to push past that that breaking point. I have to ask now, if you had to, if you had to grapple with the mountain, What would your approach be? Are we on our feet or on the ground? Starting on your feet. Start on my feet? Yep. No uh, striking. He, you guys are just yeah, grappling. Yeah. yeah, no. It would be, you know, I would go and look into like body folds or, or little leg takedowns, you know, single legs, double leg, uh, single legs, ankle picks, things like that. Um, he, there's so much mass that shooting at his mid waist, like a double leg, will get me sprawled on. That's a lot of weight to handle. Mm-hmm. Going a little lower, I may take advantage of his lack of mobility. Um, and then once it goes to the ground, you'd, you'd go for, you know, if you're on the bottom, you'd go for, for legs. If you're on top, you go for chokes. If, if you guys went to the ground and he kind of landed in your guard, you're, you'd try to work to... No, if, he's, if he's in my guard, I would go for like triangles or things like that. Maybe not a triangle because, you know, I don't... It's one thing to see him mm-hmm. on TV and not realize how big he is. So, I mean, I don't know if, if he was... I'm a pretty long guy, you know, so... If he is so long that I don't think I could get a triangle, yeah, I'm gonna switch off into leg attacks all day because the leg attacks will make him fight off his butt so I don't have to deal with the weight. If I had to fight the mountain, <laughs> what what's my what's my best bet? To shoot a double through his groin on the, on the bottom, just go right through his legs, uh-huh. and then jump on his back and controller him. Thank you, I, I was here I'm trying to go traditional thinking of what I should do when I really need to be true to myself right? and go for comptroller. Yeah. That black belt, did he try any comptroller things when he was with him? No, he tried like two butterfly sweeps and then an elbow crush and then an arm bar and his guard got, his guard got passed and he just tapped. Yeah, as a black belt, you shouldn't just just tap because somebody passed your guard. I've, I've seen a similar video of a guy... I don't know what belt level he is, but he's just rolling with some massive bodybuilder. Looks like they're on the roof of some place. You might have sent the link, actually. And 
again, I was just, you're wa- I'm watching it thinking, he's going for all, it's easy to sit there from the side and say, why is he doing this? Why is he not doing that? But yeah, I just, I, you have to play to the only strengths you're going to have there. And that's, in my mind, try to take, try to take his back, try to choke him. Right. That's going to be the easiest the, thing. The, the problem is, I think, anytime that there's these big mismatches or like these celebrity things where a guy who's like really, really big, is the strongest man, whatever, you know, uh, power lifter, bodybuilder, whatever, and, and, and you get like a black belt. So I think that there's some unfairness there, unfairness there in it that you don't know how good that black belt is. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. So to just say a black belt as a, a means of accreditation of like this is like a high level, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's there's purple belts out there that can tap some black belts. You know what I mean? Like so, so the the, the belt ranking is kind of subjective. Right. But um, but also I think a lot of those people, like like the black belts, have nothing to gain from it. Right. If he goes out there and he taps as a world's strongest man. Everybody's gonna go well because he doesn't know how to grapple. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't, you know. I mean, like, there's nothing to to be gained from it. If uh, if he loses, then he gets everything to lose because he lost to somebody who doesn't know anything. And muscle, is right? Beats jujitsu, right? Right. So then you already put them in an unfair situation. So there's gonna be nerves involved. And uh, generally speaking, when we're nervous and we're anxious, we we um, fall back to what we know, to what's familiar, and a lot of these guys may think, oh, this is going to be like a, like a regular role in the school. They don't realize that these guys may be massive and it's not a regular role. Like this may not be a situation where, okay, he's big, but I can kind of know, like they're incredibly massive. And, and like, I mean, like, and, I mean think, think about it like that, right? So I'm, I'm 245. This guy is 420 pounds, right? And, he, and he's only a few inches taller than me. He's as large to you as you are to me. Yes. He's not quite as tall, but just Correct. as far as mass. Correct. So he's not as not the the height difference between you and I is not proportional to the height difference between him and I. So he he is taller, but he's thicker mm-hmm. in every direction, right? So yeah, it's not. I mean, it's not going to be your average guy that walks in the school. You know what I mean? Like so. So I think sometimes they forget they think it's going to be funny and it's going to be a joke and it's going to be this thing well it's it's not not for them you know mm-hmm. and, and you sh- you as a person that receiving shouldn't put yourself in a situation if you can't back it up or if you can't take it seriously enough to back it up so sure so getting back to where we left off we had talked about fighting against just brute strength right. from with elbow locks so you had said in the situation we talked about we had it was fighting their lock with using different muscles to combat bigger stronger muscles to combat their muscular strength yeah now of course there's different ways to break the grips to make life easier but sure now with submissions for an elbow is it easier for someone to see an elbow lock coming than a, a choke or a shoulder lock because is there, there's more area that's traversed in the extension of that so arm. So in, in, in the traditional sense of elbow locks where you're hyperextending the elbow, yeah, I think it's easy to see because everybody as a kid has picked up a twig and snapped it in half. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much what it looks like when your arm's bowing that way. Like, is that a reference to my tiny arms? How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? I can do 10 push-ups. Okay. Hey, man, that's, that's good. I, I'm not going to knock on that. 
So, um, yeah, it's, it's, I think people can see it and they can, the imagery of the twig being broken is something that even a lay person can look at and go, Oh, that's going to hurt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Even if they don't quite get it. Right. And so with that being said, does it make the elbows harder to submit because people know it's coming so you have to be sneakier you well, have it's to one be- of the first styles of submission you learn right it's an arm bar mm. so everybody's kind of hip to it doesn't make it harder uh, that's relative it comes down to experience setup um, execution timing etc mm. um, but but the other thing that we did not talk about as far as elbow locks go is um, where like shoulder locks are generally a rotational approach and and um, elbow locks are generally a hyper extension approach you can also do um you can also do expansion locks too where you expand the joint and, and you break the elbow that way oh so that would be a submission like a uh like yeah, a bicep right, like a bicep slicer like, yeah uh, yeah i forgot about that yeah. so so uh, explain some of the some of the differences between that and so you take the opposite approach instead of mm-hmm. looking to pull the arm to extend the arm to 180 to its end of its range of motion and then push through that you're simply putting a um a limb in in the joint itself and then you're compressing the the hand to the shoulder you're actually trying to bring it to zero degrees instead of 180 because if there's nothing in your in your joint your elbow when your hand goes to your chest it's not a problem but if there is an object in the way and you compress it back to zero, well, the joint isn't long enough to account for the extra limb that's in the elbow, and then you can cause a you can cause uh, elbow dislocations and, and elbow breaks there. Is the completion of a compression submission to the elbow how much is of a factor is? strength size that type of thing uh, it comes down to mechanics yeah. um generally speaking on, on on bicep slicers you're you're incorporating the same kinds of muscle groups you would be for a regular arm bar you're just taking a different approach of you know compression versus extension someone who has a skinnier then we're if we're sticking with the bicep slicer somebody who has a skinnier ankle going against a larger person do they do they solve that by just using a thicker part of their their oh, leg? No, I think I think the bigger the person, the easier it is to cause damage with like a bicep slicer. You know, so if you think of it like um, just just again back to range of motion, right? So if your bicep is non-existent like mine, you should be able to touch your collarbone and shoulder very easily. Just oh, can't back. can't bro mine yeah this is as yeah. far as i can go so like i have no i have no upper body so i can touch my collarbone and shoulder very easy but the the bigger your biceps get you'll start to lose that range of motion right because your muscle is in the way like literally impedes your ability to bring it back so you don't need something as big to limit that range of motion even more we're now getting to the controversial area <laughs> our wrists yeah Oh no! Before we do that, let's talk about uh, yeah, the the pack lock. The pack you had mentioned yeah, last time yeah. that was a is a obscure one. What pack lock yeah. is um, this? I you know I I don't know what its original name was. Um, it there's there are certain there's certain style of submissions where you're looking to just attack where the the pectoral muscle attaches itself to the to the shoulder, um, and you can actually cause breaks there and tears there. Okay, what what does that look like? Um, 
like the whole submission or just like yeah i'm just curious is it like how are you positioning so you you create um again it comes down to pushing so so the muscle is a soft tissue so there's a lot of give few tens ligaments everything's going to be soft there's a lot of give there so what much like you would break an elbow you need to um take the arm and extend it to its take the the pectoral muscle and extend it to its fullest range to where it cannot stretch anymore and then push through that do a lot of people tap first because as i'm pulling my arm behind my back here i feel like i would maybe tap first to my shoulder or elbow before because that connection is Uh going goes all the way through your shoulder yes okay all right, now to wrist locks. Cue the thunder. And now more. Wrist locks. So, as we as we look through our cyborg eyes and we target our wrists now, you just see these. Just this little dainty, loose, floppy little part of our arm. The last, the end of the appendage, and. <laughs> What makes wrists just so enticing to you? What makes you you are you in the your relationship with wrists is kind of like uh, Pepe Le Pew and Pepe Le Pew. and the, the, <laughs> that that cat that he always wants and you're like oh ha, ha, ha. and and you see you see this cute little wrist like walking through the flowers Pepe Le Pew. <laughs> and and and, and oh you and you just can't help but like just try to just go for it and I guess the difference here is you you get that you get the cap most of the times and you're not like like <laughs> getting hit by a hammer or whatever right yeah right. so Pepe Le Pew explain to me the what entices <laughs> you about about wrists I don't know it's necessarily enticement it's not like I'm obsessed with them I think they're just easy kills and mm-hmm. I think people often underestimate um, and or neglect neglect um, training wrist locks uh, because they think it's not efficient it's not effective and and the reality is anytime a grip is established there's an opportunity for a wrist lock the what it comes down to is knowing how to manipulate that grip into a wrist lock and and even more important learning to create a uh, a level of control in order to break the wrist Mm. and you're kind of like the batman of wrist locks where a lot of people might be afraid to try them because of the uh, there's a lot of maybe societal uh, stigma stigma towards this and you're like if I have to be the one if I need if you need a bad guy I'll be that one I'll I'll fight for Gotham slash wrist locks yeah exactly and that's what you're doing so with 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 the wrist as we as we look at uh, through the prism of characteristics or uh, we looked at let's stick with strength it doesn't matter that's one where you, it doesn't matter how strong you are wrist lock is easy to hit on everybody yeah. and 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 much like the so unlike the elbow and much more like the shoulder the wrist lock is a very complex um, joint it's made up of a lot of little bones there's a lot of uh, there's a huge range of motion um, there's generally speaking there's power in every direction so yeah there, there's a, it's a little bit harder just like the shoulder is harder to submit than the elbow the wrist is also harder than the elbow in the sense of there's more things to account for does that and this would apply to your wrist and your shoulder the we say it's a little more advanced or complex complicated to hit it 
does it also mean you can attack from a, from more angles? So it limits. Absolutely. It limits. It opens up the person's ability to defend, but it also opens up your options of attack. Correct. So much like the shoulder, right? So mm-hmm. in Americana, you bring in the, the hand towards your face and then behind your back, mm-hmm. where in a Kimura, you bring it to your hip and then behind the back, right? So much like the wrist, because there's extra range of motion, there's more, there's more, a more diverse number of options in order to break the wrist. Um, and that also causes a more difficult level of control that needs to be achieved. And a wrist is, I would say, similar to a lot of leg locks that you're fine until, until you're your <laughs> wrist is broken. Yeah, yeah. And and, and the thing is, is like, um, so Fred Sompachon, I think we did, I don't know if we've done an episode on him or not. We talked about um, him. Yeah, so Fred Sompachon um, was probably one of the reasons why um, the stigma of, of wrist locks being like a dirty move um, still sticks today is probably because of him. Um, because he was notorious for breaking people's wrists in competition. And and that's something that needs to be like addressed. So in it's funny to me that like in in a shoulder lock approach, we look, okay, how can we limit the mobility of the joint and control the opponent and then break the shoulder, right? In wrist locks for years until I mean and, and I don't know anybody else that's doing them quite like me. Maybe there's others, I don't know, but um, until I started doing them about eight years ago, the way I'm doing them now, um, the approach was hold on to the elbow and then just blast that hand Mm -hmm. and something will break. Meaning that they were taking a speed approach, much like we talked about earlier versus a control approach. Um, and, And I don't like to do wrist locks that way. I think that they're less effective, if anything, it leads me to focus on the wrong thing. Wrist locks like that usually cause the opponent to jerk and move away, and you don't quite get the finish. I, I like more of a rotational approach to the wrist locks, much like in a shoulder lock. The rotational approach tends to be a little more successful. Yeah. Now, I was thinking as we were talking, uh, I think maybe one of the things that's special about the wrist locks with the upper body submissions, I can't think of any time I'm fighting to get out of a wrist lock as opposed to so many times where I know someone's fighting for the arm bar, right. someone's fighting for the shoulder, the choke, wrist lock. Why is it that you never fight? It's just it, you have it or you don't type of thing. Yeah, well, I think um, I think what happens is in a wrist lock, if it's done right and it's done with good control, with a good level of pressure and, you know, nothing to where you're just breaking people's wrists. Um, I think the pain in the wrist is so sudden in contrast with let's say the elbow or the shoulder like i think with the elbow and the shoulder it's a little more gradual like you feel it starting like okay this is not good it's getting worse and it's it's really tight something's going to give and it just kind of escalates where i think in a wrist lock it's like and pain Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and because of that it always causes like a spazzy reaction and we default to tapping or, or or yelling or something you know um I think the wrist lock has a faster, uh, causes a faster trigger to pain response than let's say like ankle locks and, and heel hooks, which take a little bit longer. Like we've talked about, like the sensation isn't quite, don't get me wrong, more, far more damage in a leg lock than a wrist lock. But the suddenness of the, oh shit, this hurts, is much higher I think in the wrist than let's say in an arm bar or elbow lock. 
Yeah, and what when a when you fully if you were to just take my ankle right or my my wrist right now mm-hmm. and just wrist lock it all the way until like I said, hey, I have a superpower and I can regenerate, so don't worry, mm-hmm. do what you want. Boom, you go all the way down. Is what's happening? Is there? Nothing's breaking. Are you tearing yeah, things? So, so bones in the hand are very tough to... Bones in the wrists, let me rephrase. Bones in the wrists are very tough to break. They're small, compact bones. So generally speaking, you're looking at situations where you have, you know, on the light side of things, a sprain, to on the complex side of things, you look at tears in ligaments, tears in, in tendons. You look at potential, like, it being dislocated. Um, you can see sometimes you can cause muscular damage as well. So, like, you have... Uh, a joint that isn't doesn't have the right same range of, same range of motion anymore because everything's inflammated now. Um, so so that's, those are the kind of damages you're doing. Okay, much like you would with just about any other lock. Right. What uh before we end it, we'll end it here and we'll do our next one on the the lower body. Sorry, we teased. Everyone thought, oh, they're getting, <laughs> they're getting to the sexy part now. Oh, man. I'm going to give you another week to think about. I'd love to be there for this. Yeah, I'm going to um, let you think about how you want to okay. approach this. All right. Uh, anything you want to touch on before we leave the, the ankles? Or, I'm sorry, the wrists. No, I mean, I, I think I think they're just underestimated, but, uh, you know, that's okay. They're, it's one of those things people don't develop a lot of time, don't spend a lot of time into it, into developing a game. True. So but that's okay well I think this episode when it comes out let's see it'll be uh, it may be this may be our Christmas episode Um, let's see boom yeah this will be the Christmas episode so everyone around the world happy holidays Merry Christmas uh, whatever holiday you're celebrating I hope that it's a good one and everyone has a good time maybe I, I like to think that people will gather around the Christmas tree while listening to this podcast as the children are open, like their kids Perfect. are opening presents yes. and the kids are like, oh no, they're going to talk about the penis later. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't. And they're like, oh, Johnny, stop it. Yeah. And open up that rocking horse or whatever kids yeah. get these days. And yeah, so everyone sit down with your loved ones. Maybe some people like to read the Christmas, the the story of Christmas from their Bible or whatever. Maybe listen to this this week and just just listen to the to the podcast. Yeah, take a different approach. And we're gonna end this one with number by Croyler and I. Silent night, holy night. Why are you wanting me to sing to this? Yeah, or maybe oh, uh, no. that's that's more of a solo. <laughs> Let's do a like <laughs> sweet silver bells, da, 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 and then you come in. Da, 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 da. So you'll come in. We don't know the words, so we'll just go da 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 if that works. Or maybe a jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell. What, which one do you want to sing? What, what's your best? I, what's in I, your key? I don't want to sing. <laughs> uh, fine, guys. I'm sorry. I tried. Uh, that's all we'll get. Maybe uh, we'll have a New Year's episode and then maybe I'll get you to sing what's the New Year's New Year's song? What's it called? Uh, There's a New Year's song. It, well, it's the May All Acquaintance Be Forgot. Never heard It that. has a very odd name. I always forget I've it. I've never heard that. Yes. Yeah, uh, have you seen It's a Wonderful Life? Yes. Remember the very end when she goes, every time a bell rings and, it, and he's holding her and the whole time. I, I will tell you, I, I never paid deathless of an attention to that movie. <laughs> okay, well, you know what? <laughs> I'm sorry that you guys didn't have the Portuguese 
version, <laughs> version of It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, I'd love to think of uh, James Stewart in that in with a dubbed over Portuguese. Yeah, that would be perfect. All right. Well, everyone have a great week, great holidays, and we will see you later. Hopefully in 2021. Unless the CRN is really messed up and we go back to 2020 in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it could loop back it to could that. Loop back, yeah, we don't know. I've stopped trying to predict what's going to happen in yeah, the next week. So, so hopefully week, 2021, so. we'll see you then. All right, see you, everybody.